Welcome to the Catching Up with the Commands podcast. My name is Dan C, and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Sam C. Hi, guys. And this is a podcast where we're going to share our fresh perspective on all topics of life, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. So, episode one, Woo! our first episode, yeah. and we're starting off big. We're going this, for it. <laughs> this one, so many people have been waiting for. You were going to start a YouTube channel. Yep entitled why i quit teaching yes and so we thought that we would bring it to the podcast and give everyone the reasons the backstory about why you quit teaching yeah and i'm i'm very excited to share this because i think it's going to be therapeutic and to be real to start the reason i did not do that youtube channel is because there was some pushback about me speaking out about these topics yep. that was starting to affect our life, starting to affect our children at school. And so that kind of took a back seat. But we feel 15 months later, it's, it's now time to really start talking about this. Yeah, and I think we've had that time, that year and a half, to kind of let it settle, let mm -hmm. it sink in, not be so mad about everything and think more of our kids, that they're in the same district that Dan taught in, and making sure that we're not saying anything out of, like, in the moment, like being mad and being hurtful. And so we thought about this long and hard. Yeah, this is not an emotional thing. This is stuff we feel very strongly about, and we want to get out to everybody. And we, we feel like it's time. And, and I do want to say we're not going to be calling out any names of people. We're not going to be calling out any names of districts or, or anything at all. That's not our intentions. It's just to share an experience that a lot of people don't have a view of. And maybe it'll resonate with people. And so we'll be going through a couple of different topics as we work our way down here. And the first one I want to kind of start off with is a funny but not funny type <laughs> situation, if you, if you guys know what I mean. And this will just give you insight into my teaching. And to give you guys background, I loved teaching absolutely loved it. I never complained about teaching a day in my life. No. I enjoyed the students. I loved my coworkers. It was an amazing job until it wasn't. Yeah. And that's what this is all about here. So one of the examples of this changing is there was a massive sub, sub shortage in teaching, aka substitute teachers, guest teachers, whatever you'd like to call it. We just didn't have enough teachers to cover our our building to the point where we would have a planning period and several times a week we were forced to not use our planning because we had to cover other classrooms and I absolutely hated covering other classrooms <laughs> you did like, it was my number one number one complaint about teaching because I was very serious about the culture of my classroom my students respected me they respected class it was amazing you step into somebody else's culture, and now you got to deal with all the garbage that they set up, right? I want to make the bed and then lay in it myself. <laughs> I don't want to lay in somebody else's messy bed. <laughs> and so that was kind of setting the stage for this. Now, of course, this is an issue by the school, and they have to deal with this to try and get substitute teachers. So instead of, on my view, trying to build up a program to incentivize subs to come, they were trying to do the opposite as the school and trying to make sure teachers were not taking days off. And they wanted to take as many measures as they could for that. And a lot of people think about teachers like, oh, you get summers off, you get spring break off. Well, we don't have vacations. Yeah. I had one very personal day a year. That's it. If you missed for any other day, other than being sick or family being sick, you had to lie. 
And, and that was something that was really tough as the channel grew and opportunities grew. So one measure that the school put into place that was really trying to keep teachers from taking days off is not only did we have to put our absence in ahead of time, and not only did we have to put it in online, and if you had it in the morning, let's say this crazy idea, you woke up sick, you had to call the office, tell them and explain, and then they had to handle it. But regardless of that, you had to put in your absence. During the COVID time when the sub shortage got really bad, they required us to add an additional box online and you had to explain why you were sick. You had to give a reason <laughs> for your sickness. Like it's any of their business. Right. <laughs> and so I would run this by Sam and I'd be like, wow, they are telling me to, to have a reason to write it. And I'm like, I, I don't know a ton about the HIPAA laws and violations, but this seems, uh, this seems a little bit crazy <laughs> to me. And people in other industries are like, what? They're asking you to explain why you're sick. And I said, yeah, we actually had a staff meeting where they told us about this. And for me, and I haven't <laughs> even told Sam about this, do you remember what I put every single time? Do you want me to say it? No, I just want to know if you remember. I think I remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what I would put on my sickness every single time, and I'm not going to tell you if this is accurate or not, because that's too much information. It is. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I put on my sickness box that the principal had to read every single time, explosive diarrhea <laughs> every time and they never once asked me about it which was a little concerning like if someone has right. that much explosive diarrhea shouldn't you be checking in be on like, them oh, dan are you okay yeah. <laughs> he'll be like yes i have celiacs <laughs> and, and i'm not somebody that gets sick often I'm, i really try to be mentally tough and push through it but the setup of our days was really unfair in my opinion uh, essentially, we had five personal illness days and we had five family illness days. Now, the best part about this is if you have a child and you're the, the man in the relationship, the father, you did not get any paternity days. None. You got to use your, if you had them, you got <laughs> to use your five family illness days. That was it. And that took out of there. And so imagine a year where you have a child. You use your five family illness days so you can spend a whole whopping five days <laughs> with your wife and your new child and let alone take care of your other children, right, when we had uh, children born. Yeah. And you had to use those five days. Well, what about after that? Our kids were born in January, March, and April. We have the rest of the year. If there was ever a family illness, I had to lie and put personal illness to go take my kid to the doctor, mm -hmm. to stay home with my kid. And then on top of that, they wanted to know what my illness was, so I put explosive diarrhea. <laughs> and that's what they get. Yep, every <laughs> single time. So just to, to give you that little appetizer and vision into why I left, it was this stuff that just started to me feel disrespectful. Like I was not a professional. Like I was not a person that went for a bachelor's degree, two master degrees, and all these, these successful teaching things. I had to write why I was sick, and that really got to me. Yeah, they were teaching teach or treating – my mouth's not working. They were <laughs> treating you like you were a middle schooler. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even ways I wouldn't want to treat a middle schooler. Yeah. And so that was big. Now, the next one I'm going to let Sam talk a little <laughs> bit more about because this just gives you, again, a glimpse into what was going on and how teachers did not feel heard, how they did not feel like the right priorities were in place. We have a golf tournament that's in our town, a large one. And it ends up at the end of summer, beginning of school year, every year, Sam, what was going on last year that really, really bothered us? Yeah, so this, I feel like, was the point that really, like, set me off as to them not, not really, like, caring about the kids. And this is the point where we did start talking out publicly 
and we did receive backlash from the school about this. Yeah. And so that that is a fact. There, <laughs> there was things that happened because of us speaking about this thing. Yeah, so the golf tournament is right down the road from our kids' elementary school, and the district thought it was a good idea to let the people going to the golf tournament park in the school parking lot, and they would shuttle them over to the golf course so they can watch, but they decided that they were going to bring the kids back to school the same week that this golf tournament was, which means on the first day of school, that whole week, I think we had like three days that week, so not a full week of school, but still there were strangers walking all around the kids' school campus. Right on the sidewalk. Right on right the up sidewalk. To the school. Yes, everywhere. And they were getting shuttled. And you know, like when people are going to golf events and they're drinking. And so we have all these strangers and we're talking about – you know, they send out emails about kids' safety, and we're making it a number one priority. And then they're so desperate to make money that they sell the parking lot to this golf course, and now all of the kids' safety is put at risk. And it's the introduction to their year. This was right. our son Jackson, and we'll talk a lot about who has had some major, major anxiety, situational PTSD from a, a long, terrible stint in the children's hospital. And he was he spent half the year not wanting to go to school, fighting us, kicking us. This is how he was introduced. Yeah. What makes him anxious? Large crowds and big buildings. And people he does not know, adults. Yep. Specifically. So why not fill out the entire parking lot? Why not make the line on the very first day of school as massive as they could? And the thing that really stuck with us is we have a lot of family friends that are teachers at that building in the district. And they told us we complained about this adamantly. They did not listen to us. Every teacher across the board really was not a fan of strangers coming onto their campus on the first week of school. And they felt like they just didn't matter as teachers. And that was exactly how I felt. And it was kind of the final straw that really, really set me off where it's like, I don't think that education right now is valuing the things that really matter. Yes, they're more in it for the money. So true. And essentially to kind of break it down, kind of zoomed back a little bit, stuff started really adding up on the negative side of teaching around COVID. And then it was a perfect mixture of teaching changing and then also the climate of the country and politics changing also with the channel and opportunities rising. And so it got to be a point where it was still risky, still a chance. Everybody in our life told us not to do <laughs> it. But we started to value happiness. We started to value family and chasing dreams rather than just fitting into this square teaching peg that I went to school for 15 years ago and just kind of say, hey, you got to do this. And with that, some of the changes early on with COVID where we knew that stuff was going to change, right? We had to, especially early on when it was scary and all this data was flying around, a lot of the teachers are like, okay, we understand it's going to be different. We have to do our part. But it kept getting worse and worse and worse where our responsibilities were getting more, our time was getting more, the challenges were getting more, and nothing was coming back to us. It's almost like before COVID, they already had stuff like in line mm -hmm. that they wanted to like add on to you guys. And then COVID hit and they were like, ooh, perfect opportunity to give yeah. them more responsibilities yep. and not pay them more. Yep. And so we first went all online, which luckily for me was easy because I had a f complete setup, you know, to stream and everything. So that was good. And then when we went back, it went back in phases. And this was probably the most challenging time of my teaching career. 
I would go to class. I had classes of 36 students. Let that sink in. Imagine your friend, your, your kids, or your friends that have kids having a birthday party of 12-year-olds. Okay, yeah. I taught middle oh school. Oh, my gosh. Imagine a birthday of 12-year-olds. Now imagine 36 of them in a small room. That's what I had on a regular basis. Now, let me take it a step further. Imagine those 36 kids split in half. Half of them are in front of you. Half of them are to the side of you on a computer for a video call. So not only do I have to manage these kids in front of me that had been online for a long time and they really forgot what social life is like, they have mask on, they're spaced out, but I, and I have a plexiglass in front of my desk because they didn't let me move. And then on the other side of me, I have 16, 12-year-olds online with their whole life capable to <laughs> them in front of them. And I'm a big person on management. I'm a big person on classroom control. Imagine trying to control both those things. And then here's a crazy idea teach and have learning take place in that situation. And nothing was given to us. Nothing was like, hey, let's take this off your plate. Let's, hey, we understand you're doing a lot. Let's give you guys kind of a raise. It just became unbelievably difficult. And a lot of things that we made concessions for, like, okay, I understand subs aren't going to want to come in as much right now. We can step up for each other. Okay, well, that went away. Why aren't we getting more subs? Why aren't we getting an incentive program to bring subs in? And so the stuff that we were giving up for COVID just got harder and nothing was coming back. Especially when districts around us were putting in programs to bring subs in. They were paying them more. They were having permanent subs in their building every day, like a salaried employee there to be a sub. And we just weren't having that. Yeah. It was like, well, it's on you. Right. And and I'm sure there's going to be administration that listens to this. So I, Hi. yeah, hello. <laughs> I, and I just want to put out there, I, I guarantee they're screaming right now and saying, we did this, we did this, we did this. Well, one thing you didn't do in that case is communicate it to the teachers. Oh my gosh. Yes. If you were doing that, if you are defensive right now, why did I not know? Why did my friends not know? That's a big aspect. Why did parents not know? And this is all while we were also closing uh, school bus routes because we didn't have enough bus drivers. And all this was adding up. And I'll give you kind of the final cherry on top, and then we'll kind of dust off some other details. I received an email from an angry parent. Still have this email to this day. <laughs> and this angry parent was completely irrational. And they, their kid was not doing well. They reached out, why is my kid not doing well? I said, well, they didn't take the retake. They didn't come in for the extra study that I offered them. They don't listen in class. They come to class sleepy. Gave the whole reasons. The parent followed up telling me that it was my fault, followed up by telling me that not only was it my fault that their kid was failing seventh grade, it was my fault as a teacher that there was a bus, a <laughs> bus driver shortage, and word for word, he was going to hold me accountable for the bus route shortage until it's fixed and that I need to, I believe the exact words were, shut up and do my job. I brought this to my administration, showed them this, and said, Hey, guy, this is like the most agreed. They're insulting me. There was a bunch of insults in there. And I believe he even said at one point, I, I think that you run some kind of YouTube business. Well, I'm a business owner and I know it, blah, 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 and all this stuff. Showed my principal and wanted to get feedback on how I should handle this disrespect and just utter ridiculous situation. The principal told me we lead with customer service. We smile and we nod our head. And at that point, I had felt absolutely no support from the school absolutely no backing from the school. And I could give you story after story after story of examples where I felt like that and felt defeated, felt deflated. Uh, it, it was just no support, no thought of the teachers while a teaching crisis was going on. Like customer service, like you are working the drive through at a McDonald's. Yeah. Like you're not an adult. Unbelievable. 
Uh, absolutely unbelievable. To give you two other little stories, again, that just were little things that added up. We had a new evaluation system, how they evaluate teachers to see who's doing well, who's not doing well. And it was going to be one that shifted from being pretty, like, open and forgiven to being seen as punitive. You get ratings, you get scores, and all this stuff. And they're going to start to judge teachers based on that. Well, they held a leadership meeting. And on my view, it was just to look good to say we heard from the teachers. In this meeting, the principal asked, hey, how can we roll this out to the staff so it doesn't look super bad? And I raised my hand as a coach. I said, hey, man, I'm a community builder. Let's get this going. I said, have a staff meeting. Tell the whole staff, the state's putting this on. It's not me. We're in this together. I got your guys back. The principal's response to me was, no, they should be fortunate that they have a job here. There's so many people that would kill to have a job in this district. So I sat back and I was quiet. And, and I didn't say a word. And along those same lines, there was another time where I was a swim coach. We had two swim coaches and a dive coach. I was not the dive coach. I don't like diving. I don't know diving. Diving scares me. I don't even watch it. Well, fast forward, there are a bunch of like turbulence of the season trying to figure out a dive coach. There's a league meet and a dive meet at the end of the year. The league meet is on a Friday night. It takes like six hours. I'm there till 10 o'clock away from my family and doing that. We get noticed that week that there's no dive coach, and the principal emails and says, hey, can you be there on Saturday to be the dive coach? I said, no, my family's gone. We're going up north. And also, I am not the dive coach. There's a paid position. I'm not that person. And I'm also doing this YouTube side of things, this business side of things, and, like, understanding value and knowing your worth. The response back from, at this time, was the assistant principal was, I've and I still have this email, <laughs> was, I've never been so disgusted in my life because I said no to going to an all-day tournament as a dive coach that I was not paid for, that I did not sign up for. Like he used the word disgusted. Yeah, and I have that's, that email. Like, I just feel like that's not even the appropriate word for this situation. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it was unreal. And, and that's after a whole season of them not taking care of finding a dive coach, by the way. Yeah, they put it on you. Yes. They yep. were like, you need to find a dive coach. And you're like, eh, no, no, no. Yeah. So those are just little examples of how I just felt so undervalued, so underappreciated. And... I loved the kids. I loved the classroom, but it did start to change with the way teachers were being talked to by parents. And I think a lot of that was COVID and a lot of that was these political things spiraling all around and it just got worse. And a lot of people don't like their job. Uh, a lot of people are like, Dan, those problems are nothing. You should hear from my boss. You should hear from this and that. Well, to give it a little bit of perspective, I went to school, got my bachelor's degree for history and for teaching. My first five years at my school district our pay was frozen. My starting pay was $37,000 for five years. For five years. Crazy. The only way to make more money in teaching, there's you can't be great at your job, you can't do any of this stuff, is to either have more years. Well, that was taken away for five years. And then the only other way is to get education added to your name, which is what I did. I ended up getting two master degrees in five years just so my family could like survive and have enough money to get food and, and our mortgage. And with that, I had to take out student loans. I now have over $100,000 in student loans because I felt that pressure of having to try and survive $37,000 when I had a bachelor's degree in teaching. And yeah. so with all that stuff being piled on and everything, there's a lot of people that put up with their jobs, but they are like, at least I'm fairly compensated. At least I get yeah. good money. That was really hard on the teaching side of things. Really, really hard. And then just some other ones that, that kind of add in there. One of the ones that really bothered me more and more as it went on was the teaching dress code. So what would be your, your view on the teaching dress code, Sam? How, how did they set it up? What were your thoughts? Well, I, you, okay. 
So in the beginning, you used to. This was pre-beard too, because the beard plays a lot. Short the, beard. I always yeah. had stubble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So you always used to wear long sleeve button-up shirts and ties, mm-hmm. and then it kind of changed, like to become more. I don't want to say casual because it wasn't casual. It was still like very like business, golf attire, like business yeah. casual, yeah, like polos and mm-hmm. stuff. Because number one, the AC never worked in your building. Horrific. Ever, I was kids upstairs. were sweating and passing out, and fans and the windows didn't open very well. I just I remember you talking about it all oh, the yeah. time. And so he's like, okay, well I'm gonna wear polos because I'm sweating my mm-hmm. ass off. And then I think they they. Your principal would slowly, like, she'd make, like, snarky comments yep. about your stuff. And you would text me, like, during the day, like, so-and-so said this. Yep. And is the barbershop closed? Yeah, yeah, about and the beard, because yep. now the beard is here. And then the dress code kind of came to a full head when it was later on. And, again, I was wearing I was wearing these polos. There is nothing in our contract about dress code. Mm-hmm. Nothing said I had to wear ties. Nothing said anything. And this is all while the female teachers were wearing open-toed sandals, oh my gosh. literally leggings every day. Uh, it, it looked like a oftentimes a high school student dressing, but it was the teachers. Super short dresses or skirts that I saw teachers walking in, um, bellies showing tank tops, which it's like if the kids aren't allowed to wear it, the teachers shouldn't be allowed to wear it. It's just silly. And I was fine with everything, but the inconsistencies and the way it was called out was almost like they felt like they could not address females. And the worst one was we were in a staff meeting and the principal said, hey, does anybody know the expectations? Notice they didn't say the requirements, the contract, the expectations for males with dress code. They looked around, looked around, no one raised their hand. And then they go, Dan. (laughs) And I was one of the only ones that did not have a tie on. And so that got to be really frustrating on that. And, and at this point, towards the end, I started pushing back. I started speaking out, and it, it got to be a lot of, like, turmoil. And so that was another one where they're, they're publicly calling these things out, where how does me teaching 12-year-olds matter if I have a tie on or not? Yeah. Do you think a 12-year-old respects me more when I have a tie? No. I, they want to be able to be relatable to you. They want to understand you. And so that was, that was another thing that was really tough. And you want your teachers to be comfortable, mm-hmm. too. You don't want them, you know, stiff and like, oh, these clothes are terrible. Right. I'm not I'm thinking about how my clothes are fitting. Right. And I'm, you know, when you wear dress-up clothes to, like, a wedding or something, you get home and you take uh, your clothes off and you're like, oh, it feels so good. So good. Ugh. So that was that was a tough part of it, of too, with teaching as that kind of got worse and worse and worse. And more things just kept coming, spending money. uh, You had to spend money on your own classroom. And then our district got money, and they have all this money from a grant, and they're like, what can we spend this on? And then, for example, they were changing furniture without asking teachers, and per classroom it was around $20,000 to get new furniture. For furniture? Yes. Oh, my God. That flexible learning. And you would – the other history teachers were like, we like the rows. This is how we teach. And so that got to be a little bit tough. We also had this thing called restorative justice, and in my opinion, is a joke uh, that had completely swept across the country. If there is, the concept of it is if there is tension, you talk it out, and you don't have punishments. So we would have something like a responsibility room, detention, these things. They kind of got away from that, and some um, buildings in our district completely got rid of those. And if a kid was misbehaving, a kid was cussing another kid out, getting in a fight, getting attitude to the teacher – What they expected to do was stop the class, form a circle, and share with that kid how his actions impacted everyone else. And to calm him down, they had a bucket, 
that had things like suckers in them so they could relax. And then the kid would do it again and again and again, and there was no punishment, and the school would say, this is restorative justice. That's like some hippie shit. Yeah. Like, let's all hold hands and sit in a circle, and you can tell us that you're sorry. Even the sweetest, (laughs) most innocent, nicest, like, yes, man, teachers. I never heard a single teacher that liked that. I never heard a single teacher that thought that was effective. So that was really tough. Another thing that was really tough for me was worthless meetings. We had contract hours that we needed to meet. And we'd have staff meetings, and they would be ahead of time. We'd know them. And again, I'm trying to balance my family. I'm trying to balance a career that I'm building on the other side. And we would have a staff meeting. And one of the last ones, we they s- had the staff meeting. And then I messaged them. I'm like, hey, what's the agenda? What are we going to work on today? And they said, nothing. Uh, you just have to meet these contractual needs to stay here until 415. And to me, that was so disrespectful. I had stuff to do. I had places to be. If you have something valuable for me that's going to improve my teaching, bring it on. Otherwise, let me be a professional and let me go do my thing. And don't don't waste my time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at the beginning of your teaching career, your principal actually would message everybody yeah. and be like, hey, there's nothing, nothing on there today. 100%. You know, just go home. No big deal. And that was like the coolest mm-hmm. surprise, like a reward almost. And then it slowly became that that was no more. And then it was like, now you have to come to every meeting. You have to stay for every minute. And if you leave early or do something, then you get scolded like a child. A hundred percent. And they would stand by the door to see who yes. was leaving early and, and like broadcast these things like they were tough and all these amazing things. And essentially what it comes down to is the administration oftentimes appeared to be a- afraid to address individuals when they were breaking policies. Yeah. And they would put in these blanket policies that punished everybody, even though it was just a couple terrible teachers. And and just like any profession, right, there's terrible doctors, there's terrible police officers, there's terrible teachers, content creators. We had some bad teachers, but address them. Don't take it out on everybody else. Don't put these lazy blanket policies because you don't want confrontation. And so that got to be really tough as well. And, and even with that, too, the respect of professionals. We would have these professional development days. If you missed a day on a professional development day, no matter the reason, they would dock your pay. Not just say, hey, you lost the sick day. They would dock your pay. They would take money from your paycheck, whether you were in a hospital bed, whether you were at home genuinely sick with explosive diarrhea <laughs> or not, they would dock your pay. Oh gosh. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around that. How is any day that I'm sick different than the rest? How can you tell me? We'd have a whole week in August of professional development. How can you tell me it's not possible for me to be sick then? And they would broadcast this stuff. They would say this stuff in meetings. And it's funny that you say that because we have a friend who actually just had COVID during meetings and stuff. And I don't know how it was handled, but I'm very curious. Yeah. And to wrap this up in the last couple of minutes here, it just seemed like everything was surface over substance. Everything that was going on in teaching was not about teaching, was not about education, was not supporting the teachers. We would do things like a celebration of learning where the students would build all these things up and it was for the district to take pictures and show off and like show the community that they're learning. And all while me speaking about my personal experience, the way I was treated greatly went downhill. To give one last kind of big example here, there was a really cool kind of moment in my teaching career. In the last year of teaching, I uh, won a, a... award, a contest, however you want to put it, to be a top 100 teacher in North America. Really big deal. Mm -hmm. 
The district still to this day has never told me congratulations. They have never acknowledged. I went on a fully paid cruise. We had a private Kelly Clarkston concert. There were, you imagine like all these articles, all these things. The district never acknowledged it. They didn't put it on the marquee. They didn't put it on Facebook. They didn't send an email. They didn't even simply come up to me and say, hey, man, that's huge for our district. My name was attached to the school, and this was a big deal, and they should have turned that around and said, look at one of our teachers, top 100 teacher in North America, big deal, Kelly Clarkston, all this stuff, the Norwegian Cruise Line. They decided they would not even simply acknowledge it to me. Not to mention that you could have, it was like a random drawing, right? For the winners, like the top three or something. So Dan, even though he was quitting at the end of the year, he could have won money for his school. Substantial. And the admin still, there was, it's, you're so obsessed with money, but you didn't want to like push that out there to maybe help him win one of the top three rewards or awards. yeah, some of the other members, they were from other states. One I remember specifically was from Maine. The Maine Department of Education gave this teacher a goodie bag. Like, they were acknowledged by the Maine Department of <laughs> Education. I did not even get acknowledged from my building. Not the district, not the county, not the state, not from my building. And it was all because they didn't want to give any light to my platform because they thought that somehow, some way, my voice was getting bigger than the school, and they didn't want to feed into that. And people... From the cruise, people that you had talked to on there, their towns were like throwing them parades, literally parades. And Dan got nothing. They had videos of them walking out of school where they brought school buses from the kids (laughs) from other schools, clapping them out. They threw city parades for them. They came decked out with stuff. My principal never said congratulations. A district I taught twelve years for when I put in my my retirement notice, and again of this was. Uh, 11 years in a row with a perfect evaluation, uh, Michigan State Coach of the Year 2018, I got, I think, two sentences Mm -hmm. that said, thank you for your service, best of luck in the future. It was literally just a copy and paste. AI would have done better. Yeah, (laughs) there was no personality in it whatsoever. And that was the last three years of my teaching. No personality, no support, nothing but blowbacks. Do you miss anything? I do miss the kids. I I have a lot of kids that I still talk with. I really enjoy. And to be real, I miss being a good teacher. I miss kids and families being like, Mr. Command is the greatest teacher I've ever had. Mr. Command made me want to be a better student, be a better person. I do miss that aspect. Not much else. Yeah, your Dan's, uh, what do you call it, love language I think is like praise. You Mm -hmm. like being praised for for your hard work because you do work really hard. And so I think like leaving that left this like void that I couldn't fill. Or I'd be just saying like, thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this all day. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. And so, yeah, I do miss that. I mean, I, I really do. I know that kids will live their whole life and think back. And when someone says, oh, school, great teachers matter. I know there's going to be kids that say, Mr. Command, that, that's yeah. my guy. I mean, you still have kids coming to you now. You still get messages from mm-hmm. kids in college yeah. saying you were the best teacher that I ever had. Yeah. Like they thought about you. Like, how does that feel? Like they thought about you in college, however many years later. And they were like, you know what? I'm going to go email Mr. Command because he made such an impact on my life. It's so cool, but it just highlights the bittersweetness of while that's happening, 
the school failed to acknowledge me. I also got an Apple award to give like a little side story and it's supposed to be delivered by the upper admin. Well, our, one of our other employees got it too. And they were like, Oh yeah, they delivered it during third hour. And they said they couldn't find you. Said, my planning, <laughs> my planning was third hour sitting in my room. You're like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And then the uh, building principal brought it by later said, Oh, they couldn't find you. So they had me deliver it. Everybody else got delivered by the upper administration. And this was after, this was after yeah. you put in like your, your retirement notice yep. and that we had said some things publicly yep. about the way that the school was handling things. So it was a shot. Yeah, for sure. And so that just kind of builds up. I, I feel like we have more that we can like break down individual details on later in a podcast. But essentially, I just came to a point where I did not enjoy going to work anymore. I did not like waking up to go to my job and I loved everything else in my life. And I decided to bet on myself and my family. Yeah. And so would you, if you could do it all over again, I know it was like a big, we talked about it mm -hmm. for at least a year. Yeah. We contemplated it yep. until we finally went through with it. But if you could, looking back, would you have quit earlier or would you have stuck it out through COVID and all of that? I think it was the right time. Yeah. I, I don't think I had the footing in place before. Yeah. There were some things on the beard side that came into place at the right time. And I don't regret teaching at all. I teacher and all the foundations of coaching and building community and responding to parents made me a better content creator, made me a better person, father, husband, all of that. So I think it was just right. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So that's episode one, you guys, ah. why I left teaching. <laughs> and this is kind of the format. And, and some of them are going to be more serious. Some will be more funny. We're just going to kind of roll with the different topics. And we hope that you guys enjoy it. Sam C., any last words? No, I am, I personally am just so thankful that you are not teaching anymore mm. because you are home all day with yeah. us. And today we went out to lunch yeah. to our favorite Mexican place. Yep. You were able to help with Vi because she's absolutely insane. Yep. And it's, it's just so nice. It's life changing. It, yep. it truly is. And, and that kind of concept of being life changing and betting on yourself is going to be a theme that you're going to hear a lot. Yes, on this. definitely. So stay tuned for that. And, and I'm glad that I had the support of my wife. When I had so many people that said I was crazy, don't do this. Even when I was signing up for insurance, the person said, uh, are you sure you want to leave yeah, this? Yeah, you have really good yeah. insurance. Are you, you sure? Do you want to do this? And the answer is yes, a million times over. So thank you guys for listening today. We hope that you check out our Instagram with Catching Up With The Commands. On Friday, episode two will be out. And we just want to say thank you guys for the people watching yes, from the beginning. You guys you. will be those day ones and we keep growing. All right. See you later. Ta-ta.